The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you always. You're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars episode 162. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember... The Force will be with you, always. Hello there, everyone. I'm Mike Creevy, a.k.a. Old Ben, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Please be sure to share this podcast on Twitter or Facebook and let us know how we're doing. Leave us a review over there anywhere you can. We really appreciate that. So we are jumping now in on this episode of The Secrets of Star Wars to our ongoing breakdown here of, of Bad Batch Season 2. And this week we're looking at uh, Season 2, Episode 14, called The Tipping Point. And uh, there's there's a lot to discuss here, so uh, we're going to do something a little different at first under our news segment I want to get to pretty quick here. So joining me tonight to unpack all this is, first up, John Coral. Welcome, John. Hello. Good to have you here, and uh, we also have with us tonight Robert King. Welcome back, Robert. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Good to be here. Well, and as I hinted here, we have some news, because at the time of uh, this recording, the, the big news sort of floating around, one of the big news pieces is the, the closure in this big Disney uh, overhaul of all kinds of budget-related uh, costs. They're trying to cut costs everywhere, upwards of $5 billion, as I understand it. They are closing... Uh, the Galactic Star Cruiser attraction after, I think, just about 18 months. And I'm looking at the New York Times article here where they describe it. For those aren't, that aren't familiar, uh, the attraction called uh, Galactic Star Cruiser was marketed as part luxury hotel, part theme park ride, part role-playing game. Guests are welcome to board a 275-year-old space liner and take a celestial voyage on which they might be asked to deliver a secret message, head to the engine room to help repair a fuel valve or participate in lightsaber training. I feel like I would get the fuel valve thing. Um, Disney said the hotel's final voyage would take place September 28th to 30th. Guests who already booked the hotel after September will be contacted to discuss. See, this is when we get to John on this, these question marks. Uh, they'll be called to uh, discuss options to modify their plans, it says. So whatever that means. But um, but yeah, we so John, we're, we're, we're benefiting here that John uh, with us tonight has uh, been on this attraction. And I wanted to share a little bit just about his experience there and his his thoughts on this news. So take it away. Well, I mean, I was really disappointed when I heard the news. I mean, it seemed like it was going to be coming through, though, kind of soon, because even before this, they had announced that they were, um, what was it, or shutting down some of the, or closing some of the uh, boardings that they were setting up. So it wasn't mm -hmm. going to be like, you know, it was they were closing certain dates that they had because... What you would do is when I went on this, it was over a year ago, and we had a really incredible time. Um, was that we started? You, we we went in on a Sunday, 
Mm-hmm. And it was actually Mother's Day. <laughs> and oh. then you board. And then your first day, you get part of the ship. And then you learn a lot about the ship. And you do a lot of everything's on the ship. And then the second day, you get to spend a good chunk of the day, like over maybe half the day or more in Galaxy's Edge, and you know, Batu. And then then the rest of that stuff takes place on the ship again or the hotel, but it makes you feel like you're in a ship. And it's really, what was really good about it, well, the the big issue, of course, was the price, which made it prohibitive to a lot of people because I think it was like 5000 to $6,000 hmm. for the two-night stay. And even though that included food, your trip to the Galaxy's Edge and stuff, you know, if you're coming to Disney, you could get a nice hotel there and a hmm. lot of park passes to the other ones for more days. So, and then the negative that people would say was, Another one that I see a lot is it was too much of a niche, you know, because it was you had to be a big Star Wars fan or something. And I think I don't know what like who would Disney, go on it other than. Well, that's the that's thing, my, though. <laughs> that was my question. <laughs> well, but part of it is, though, it's like in my case, though, I'm the big Star Wars fan in my family. Right. My wife and daughter like the show. But I mean, my daughter at the time was 11. We got her up to speed before we went. We're like, because she had never watched any of the Star Wars movies right. until the past year, that past year. And then she got up to watch the Book of Boba Fett with us. And that's how she saw Grogu. And now she's caught up on the Mandalorian. But <laughs> afterwards. But um, but the thing was, is they weren't much of a Star Wars fans, but they really enjoyed it. I mean, because you would get into costume. You could wear a costume if you want. A lot of people did. Some people didn't. Um, But like for my daughter, like they say, you're role playing. And, you know, that was what I think was most exciting for her. She enjoyed, you know, she got involved with these little secret missions that all these little kids got to be in that the adults weren't in. (laughs) You know, it's like on the ship because... They did tie in some of the stuff that you do, like in Smuggler's Run, mm. to um, like, is it the coaxium and stuff? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they tie that into like your missions and some stuff that, the, you know, on the ship and things like that. And so she was involved with these ca- cast member characters that we didn't even interact with. And she even got to see him first a lot of times because <laughs> they would pull these kids into it. And then like during this big scene, you know. Or this big thing where everybody's gathered together, you'd see her with a group of other kids being led by, you know, one of these characters. <laughs> and so she really enjoyed it. And then um, then each room has their own droid, which is a display on the wall, but it was interactive. Oh, that's cool. And, and it was like she would talk to them. And it was so cool because, like, one time they're like, we need to negotiate for uh, passage through the system. And it's cut, the guy wants 50 credits, but we only have 20 or 50,000 and we only have 20,000 and we need you to negotiate for us. And then they give you some tips, start low and something about the negotiator and stuff that, you know, makes him that he likes. And then so my daughter would start 2000. He go, oh, no, that can't do 2000, 45,000. And then she 4000. And then. As I got closer, I said, tell him this, you know, what they told us ahead of time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then she said, it, and he's like, oh, I like your style. How about 20? You know, and it was just <laughs> like, and then the droid would call her the impressor afterwards. And, you know, then later on, she had a new another negotiation, you know, and it was like, you know, things like that were just really neat touches. And then, of course, you had your data pad and you're getting these messages, which is actually your cell phone or maybe if you had an iPad. And you're using this Disney app and you're getting all these messages, go to this panel and look this up. And and then you could figure out who you were, um, 
you know, are you talking to good guys or talking to bad guys? And then, and it would determine then if, you know, if the, you know, if the first order is asking you for information and you're denying it to them, then they're like, okay, you're part of the resistance. But if you're doing it the other way, like, then they're going to lead you more of a track towards the first order. And so it was, it was stuff like that. And then when you actually go to Batu, you actually, the next day, they even tell you, okay, ask somebody at the cantina this question. And then you are looking at your data pad and it's, or phone, and it's telling you where to go and then do this, you know, to send a signal or whatever and scan these things or do that. And it really builds upon itself. So it was, it was pretty neat. And that's where the role playing came in. And then things you learn that you think are just, um, you know, like ship things that you would do like on a cruise ship, except this is a galactic cruise ship, like, you know, you would do the lightsaber training. You did the learning how to work on the bridge. So, like, one night, you you know, they go through, here's how you do shields. Here's how you do engineering. Here's how you do the guns. And then that's the first night. Then the second day, you get to apply that with the way the storyline goes. <laughs> and it's really cool, you know, how that all plays out. And, you know, then you do get to interact with the captain and all these other characters as they want, you know, mill around with people and stuff. And so it was it was funny because and then even one scene to one part after Batu, depending on how you scan things and where you get to, you know, I I was in the special room with a meeting and he had one character come in and then another special character on the hologram. And afterwards, this guy comes up to me. He's like, hey, you're looking at that hologram. And I was looking at it, but it was like they were staring right at us. How you know, and I was sitting across the room and it was it was just really done well. And. That sounds really good. And does it, I'm assuming it had to be like, um, the for it to all work out, uh, because I didn't look into how it works too much, but they, I'm assuming they would have to have kind of the set kind of two day time frame for like everybody there. Like, in other words, it's not like a normal hotel spot, so to speak, of course, like where this, any given day you've got people who came there different times it's like a, a extended attraction over those two days kind of thing well what it what it is is i think they had like two shifts like and then the first shift would be like the early dinner and then the one other one would be oh, like the okay. late dinner yeah and then you always had your schedule to go to so it was like okay if you had dinner at seven somebody else might have it at eight or something or however they set it up and then what was funny is we were talking to a friend we met there and he was the kylo he was set up <laughs> he dressed up as kylo ren and his wife was dressed up as Ray <laughs> and they, but he, but you know, you could, and my wife, she, uh, she kind of was like a double agent. She would answer some oh, questions okay. for the first order, mostly for the resistance, but back and forth. But the thing was, is what you would do is be like eight o'clock. You're here at eight o'clock there at some other place. And at nine o'clock you meet the captain at this point. And then at nine o'clock they would meet him in, in the same, the lobby, at, uh, Lieutenant Corey in the lobby at that time. And then, so that's how they would bring people together is they'd be like, okay, the main action's happening at nine or 10 o'clock. And then they're going to gather somehow there. And then you're going to see how things play out. And, okay. Huh. And then, then of course, when you watch the last big lightsaber fights and everything, and like you see on the commercials, that was pretty cool too. It's, I just, I mean, it sounds like there's so much, and I don't know if Robert, if you have anything to add just from, from your, like, to, I know you said you weren't, you weren't able to, to, to go yourself, but to other people you've heard comment on it i mean do you think like it did they just bite off more than they could chew <laughs> maybe with it or, or is it just a casualty of the 
Disney's restructuring. I mean, who who knows? I mean, I was saying uh, before we started recording that, yeah, I I was really looking for, forward to hearing your experience, John, because I've heard nothing but negative things about the whole experience. And and like one of the things that uh, I've read a number of times was that like the whole thing just felt kind of cheap, which I, I wonder if it's I wonder how much of that negativity is coming from the. I just dropped six grand on this. It had better, you know, blow right, me yeah. away. And the expert, and it sounds, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you had a lot of fun and there was a lot of cool stuff going on, but it maybe wasn't six grand worth of fun stuff going that, on. That's is, is probably that, part of, because I think what people come into it, it's like, now am I, <laughs> I, I've never been on a cruise. So it's like, you know, and this is supposed to be like a cruise ship idea oh, and yeah. stuff. And I think, I wonder, too, if some people are like, if I'm spending this much on a cruise and this is all we're doing, because it's like, you know, there's no big pool to go jump in. There's no mm-hmm. big, you know. Um, like we're not actually <laughs> no going anywhere. And stuff. Not even <laughs> a giant I mean, back to tank? No. <laughs> but they do have, but they do have like a bar where you can play Sebek and stuff. And my yeah. daughter loved that game, too. Oh, and um, You let your daughter make gamble. That, well, I know. Well, as she gets older. <laughs> if she, if they ever, t- if if they ever make that a legal gambling game, and she, oh when she's you know twenty one, then she could uh, do it. <laughs> She'd do pretty well with it. Um, it's good but, practice. No. But I think that, but I do think that might be part of it because it's like, like I said too, when you're spending as much as money as you're spending at Disney and a you know on a trip, and you could say, well, I could spend four, you know, like three, four, five days in other parks at nice hotels in Disney and stuff, and um, and versus the two nights. But the other thing that was kind of cool and um, was, <laughs> you know, really, though, the thing is, is when you get there, unless you have an emergency or some reason to get off, you really don't see it. You don't see anything that's um, outside the park. You're really immersed because you get in there, the elevator you take to the floor, they make it look like a shuttle going into space to get to your <laughs> to get mm. to the cruiser. Then when you actually go to Batuu, it's kind of like those airline line where it's where you go down the the runway or the walkway and you only see the door to the plane <laughs> you know and then you get on the plane and then you well it's kind of like that when you get on the transport to get to um and then they make it look like you're flying again or something as your bus or whatever it is goes to the entrance in Batu. but then you actually come in next to the cantina and a special entrance you don't come in like the main entrance so it's kind of like you're landing there and you're walking out into the spaceport. You know, it's kind of a neat feeling that way. And then when you leave, it's the same thing. When, you, you know, you go back through that, you don't have to go through the old, all the other lines that you normally would. And then um, then it's just pretty. And then you then when you finally leave again, it's like you're taking a shuttle out and then like, OK, now I'm back to reality, you know. <laughs> The reality of the normal Disney experience. Uh, right. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, just the run of the mill. Like, no. right. <laughs> and the thing, uh, the other thing, too, was they made the food look different, too, of course. So out of this right. world. So like, so what would be like shrimp cocktail on Earth and on the Galactic Star Cruiser, it looked like Avatar Blue, baby, <laughs> you know. And it was like, do I really want to, you know, it's like I like eating shrimp cocktail, but it was like. Sometimes like right. that, and I wonder if sometimes that threw people off too. You know, it's like, be. 
you know, like that's like even too though, personal, like what we're eating. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. But well, I like, wanted a cheeseburger. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that was the thing is like, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of the same kind of food you'd have on a cruise ship, but you know, yeah. with a galactic twist on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, but going forward, I'm wondering though, if they could still keep it, I, you know, I think their their best option would be to keep it as a niche niche hotel, because they have that bar where you can place the back, and it's already set up as a hotel anyways. It's a you know, um, and then they already have a dining area with unique foods. Whether or not you want to have entertainment and stuff like they do at night with it and all that, or just make it buffet style, but um, and then the idea of maybe dropping guests off at galaxy's edge, you know, it's like on that special entrance, if you're paying for that rate, you know, maybe you get to come in a, a better way to Hollywood studios, you know, that kind of thing. And instead of the other way, and then um, you could still do some of the things like the bridge training, lightsaber training, and some of those other guest activities too, you know, as part of it, but then you wouldn't need all the extra cast members and the whole storyline and, all the data pad stuff and things like that. And maybe that would cut the cost, but also allow people to have a star Wars experience, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean, they spent, I was looking at it here. Wasn't it to like $300 million or something? I mean, like it's hard to imagine that they could just junk it or something. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, there has to be a way to repurpose some of that, but I don't know. Uh, well, but, uh, anything else either you guys want to add on this before we jump over here to the bad batch? Because I did. I wanted to set some time aside for this conversation here because this is this is breaking news and we have a rare opportunity to, <laughs> to get John's take here, so, which is awesome. Uh-huh. So. We break the news so you don't have to. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say this. Uh, I guess one last thing I want to say was I saw um, was that. It was funny. During the first day, a guy came up to this older, you know, guy, well, probably a little younger than me, but, you know, it's like, you know, probably in his 40, late 30s, 40s or whatever. And um, he was like, this is so cool. Our kids just don't appreciate what kind of, you know, he's got little or younger kids mm-hmm. don't appreciate this opportunity. I mean, growing up when I was their age, I would have loved to have had this kind of thing and stuff. And And then what was funny is at the end of the first night, you know, when... You know, it's like the cliffhanger happens, you know, everything happens. And then they're like, OK, go to your bunks. It was I think it was even 11 o'clock, you know. And then you heard a little kid say, is there any more? You know, because <laughs> they were getting so excited by the whole story. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like and so it was so it was pretty cool. And it's like seeing how, you know, these adult kid, adults are acting like kids. And then mm-hmm. it was also, though, seeing cool how the kids were enjoying the experience, too, Engaging over time, a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, well, we'll see. We'll see what the next chapter of whatever they do is. <laughs> but we're for for now. You know, we're we're looking um, tonight. You know, here or today, whenever you're listening to this, you could be listening to this in the morning, of course. But um, but for us, it's night. And we're looking at tipping point here, and I just want to share, as usual, as I like like to share here, just the brief little um, Wikipedia uh, summary of it. So we have. Uh, following last week's episode or the previous episode of uh, Pabu, which was a very Edenic in some ways until the tidal wave thing. But, you know, we have this this setup of, of the Bad Batch having this potential new, you know, new path, maybe. And then we jump right into episode 14, tipping point. Uh, it says here, several clones imprisoned for disobedience against the Empire, including Hauser. 
are rescued by a group of rogue clones led by Echo and Gregor and brought to Coruscant, where Senator Chuchi questions them about their intended fate. With only a few encrypted data scraps recovered in the raid, Echo rejoins the Bad Batch on Pabu. Meanwhile, on Mount Tantis, the, transport, the transport's destination, Crosshair is interrogated by Dr. Hemlock about the whereabouts of the Batch, specifically Omega. He escapes in an, um, he escapes in an inattended moment. That's a really weird sentence. He escapes in an inattended moment and sends a warning to his former comrades before being recaptured and subjected to more intense torture. After receiving the message and analyzing the data Echo recovered, the Batch learns about the existence of the Empire's secret advanced science division. So, that in a nutshell. Um, and right off the bat, I thought it was cool. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure the last time we saw Hauser was... Um, that arc that they had in season one, I think on Bad Batch on Ryloth. Um, Cause I'm pretty sure he was, he's, he's in that episode with um, um, Jam Syndulla and young Hera. And like when, when we, when we saw uh, them in season one. So uh, that was kind of neat seeing him again. Uh, Echo and Gregor are always fun to see. And then um, I don't know. That was, that was a pretty well executed, needless to say, <laughs> well executed boarding and recovery operation. What do you guys think of that scene? You could definitely tell they'd done this before, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I mean that that um, oh gosh, what did they call the uh, the leech uh, shuttle? Oh yeah, yeah, was was such a cool little um concept, and they maneuvered it uh, expertly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, the, the Imperials didn't have a chance. I mean, the, I mean, you knew, you knew they were going down from the, the pride, the arrogance of the commanding right. officer there. Right. But, um, yeah, the, the rescue operation was just, yeah, magnificently planned and, and executed. I mean, I just liked all the action. <laughs> it oh, was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, from the start, you know, it was pretty intense and it was just i mean like like robert said it was really well done with the you know obviously like they didn't know what they were doing they got in there i liked how <laughs> the one troops get in there and then they open up the little hatch and they're waiting and there comes the grenade knocking out a few then it closes again you know <laughs> and little little stuff like that and then how they sneak up from behind it was just yeah it was pretty impressive that you know just how quick and efficient they were and then of course, then the, the commander of the ship, whatever, um, kills himself with that biting into that pellet or whatever it is. You know, I have mm-hmm. to look him up. You know who he reminded me of <laughs> was Jake Busey, you know, Gary Busey's son, oh. <laughs> who played that creepy, you know, bad guy in Contact, you know, like in the 90s. And, you know, just, but he that really like like platinum blonde hair and like the, you know, the blue, like for, he just he had that sort of. <laughs> You know, I don't know. Like if this was live action in the 90s, that's who I would cast, you know, <laughs> for what it's worth. Yeah, because Disney's asking that. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, no, you're right. And this is just such a uh, these guys know what they're doing. They're building this network. And of course, Hunter, I think, later asks Echo something that he's they've had this conversation before, I feel like a little bit. But that mm-hmm. not not so much. I, I like the way it's done. I can't quite describe it. Not so much like Hunter's trying to tell echo that echo's doing the wrong thing but just trying to get him to at least consider you know like what can you guys really do 
you know, like looking at this this enemy and and how far because and of course you know they're not overly sentimental, of course, but uh, you know they care about each other and Hunter doesn't want to see Echo, you know, go down a path that sees you know his 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 destruction. But uh, getting ahead of myself a little bit on that, but <laughs> but this uh, this this interaction we have this this sidebar I thought was interesting and and um, maybe get your guys' thoughts a little bit on you know again without spoiling anything cuz we still have a few episodes to go but i'm still trying to imagine in my mind how does this like echo specifically echo rex you know gregor this kind of you know paramilitary stuff and senator chuchi's involvement and we know bail organa as well i just how does this kind of connect the dots to like the Andor time period, right? Or like this, you know, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, I, I can't help but wonder. I just don't think it ends well for the clones. <laughs> I keep coming back to, you know, I don't know. It's, it's doesn't look good for them. <laughs> what do you think? I, I mean, I think you're right. I think this is, this is very much the issue they're raising is we had these clones and, you know, Throughout all the rest of Star Wars, we still have plenty of droids, even though they were one part of the war. But we don't have the clones anymore. And, uh, you know, except for, you know, a few stragglers here and there. And, um, it's, it's, yeah. The, I, I'm guessing that season three will be about, like, the the fall the downfall of all the clones um that's that they'll feeling, be <laughs> that's probably like the destroyed yeah maybe as as completely as the jedi oh what do you think john <laughs> it's not <laughs> yeah, looking well that was i wasn't thinking yeah because really i mean as you look at the storyline i mean what was it was a kenobi where they had like a a, a like a homeless clone oh, yeah, or something yeah, like that. And, the, yeah, the homeless vet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And stuff. I mean, you didn't have, I mean, other than Boba Fett and stuff, you know, it's like you really don't have clones in the, at least that we know of in the, you know, the Star Wars universe, starting with the new hope and everything. I mean, or at least it's pretty limited, you know, if it is. And, you know, you have to, <laughs> and as you still see all these people, I mean, there's still a lot of clones out there right now, but, they're getting that <laughs> you keep seeing them go away, you know, whether they're being imprisoned or, you know, left on uh, cold planets to die because, you know, they're <laughs> transferring to the tr- stormtroopers and stuff. I mean, well, and there was that bit of dialogue between, um, oh gosh, now I'm blanking, uh, Hemlock, Dr. Hemlock and uh, Governor Tarkin um, about. You know, Tarkin is is decommissioning the clones, and Hemlock says you should send them to me. You know, you, it, just just getting them out of the army isn't going to solve the problem. You need to send them to me um, for what you might think of as a more um, final solution, so to speak. Um, yeah. Well, and and I do wonder, you know, as as. I don't think I'll ever actually get sick of, of seeing Timora Morrison pop up or like even like, you know, the flashback in Mandalorian with the, um, the, uh, I keep wanting to say just Jar Jar rescuing Grogu. That's not fair. Um, 
having um i'm forgetting i'm forgetting his name darn it oh ahmed best yeah ahmed best but i can't remember the character's name uh oh um, later I'll gosh yeah up. i'm blanking on it as well but but then, of course they credited temora morrison with the voice i don't know if he actually was in a sound booth or something just to have clone troopers yelling like shoot him or whatever they did but you know it just makes you wonder like are we gonna like would they realistically like where do they draw the line they're gonna catch up with um uh, was it cut you know cut laquane and you know, the deserter that has his family like the twi'lek wife and the and the two boys that the oh, yeah. bumped into it made me like what are we gonna catch up to them 10 15 years now and you have you know Timora morris <laughs> like on the on the farm you know so i, for, I don't know if it's for just the record point. oh sorry oh, no, yeah, yeah. for the record uh keller and beck keller is the jedi keller and beck. best place yeah, yeah. The, the hero sorry. who saved grogu no i better i should i should get a He's got to have an action figure by now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not hard to imagine here that, you know, I mean, with again, yeah, up to the, the, the regular, you know, original timeline, original movies, you know, there's not really any mention of the clones. <laughs> well, and then also the thought too, it's like, since they grow and develop quicker, you know, how long is their typical lifespan? So that, so even if they do make it, how long do they live? Do they live 50 years? Do they live 30 years? You know, it's... Has that, has that, I don't think that's been officially addressed, has it? Like if, like the acceleration slows down or... I don't know. I'm, I mean, know. I think it has been confirmed that, is it, is it Rex? Is it, one of the clones was in the Battle of Endor. Well, that, I, I think the way they did it was... Because that was like a kind of a meme thing, I think, for a while. It was kind of a joke, but I think they picked it up because on one of the official Disney um, animated graphics, they you know those like, um, oh, for goodness sake, I can't think of it, the shorts that they did, the Forces of Destiny or something like that, like one of those, which was which is official and everything. They show like a really highly stylized cartoonish image of like a bunch of the main actors, you know, on Endor, and they show that guy not too far off in the distance and, and his sleeve is back and he has clone armor, like Rex's clone armor underneath it. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, they're doing it. <laughs> so all the speculation, of course, now with Ahsoka coming up, you know, that, uh, and I've heard that there was concept art, you know, with Rex and stuff. So I'm sure he'd do it. It'd be kind of cool, you know, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know how old that would make him. Right. I mean, if he's, or how old he would appear, right? Because he's always, he's going to look older than he technically is, I suppose. <laughs> so, but um, one thing I actually want to ask you guys about, speaking of the original movies and stuff, did you catch, there were a few, I, just the aesthetic I mentioned to you before we recorded, the overall look, like there was just, I haven't watched anything Star Wars, at least in a few weeks. And, uh, you know. Which, how dare you? I know, which is like this long gap now. <laughs> But when I think when Crosshair was running around and just the, the look of that facility, it's it's so, you know, original Death Star, uh, you know, kind of look. And, and the the mm -hmm. interrogation droid, the sound effects are I pretty, you know, pretty much identical to that scene with Leia, you know, in the original. And and I even think I don't know if you picked up on this, but when I've rewound it a few times, when Crosshair is trying to put the code in to contact the batch. There's just the slightest, it's only like a fraction of a second. They threw in, I swear, um, a little sort of sample, I think, of the sound effect that plays when Obi-Wan is like lowering the shields. 
members like walk around that thing and it's you know, like oh mm, the, like that, mm, the kind of, yeah. yeah it's that and it was so like distinct i was like kept rewinding and i'm like ah, that's a good you know like what even is that of course it would sound like that whatever he's doing so um but yeah that's all i guess i was just thinking it it, it really does they just get the look right i feel like and, and the animation just is, is so incredible it's just still really blows me away i mean yeah that they picked up i think like i was going back so i've been you know prepping for ahsoka i've been going back and watching disney plus has this you know essential ahsoka episodes and it starts in season one of the clone wars and it's like oh yeah the animation in season one was not that great, actually, but by, you know, season six, season seven, they had really improved the animation and Bad Batch, you know, that was the starting point for Bad Batch. And and so, yeah, I, I've always liked the animation in Bad Batch. It's it's really worked well and. And and I agree, the the sort of. uh um uh, what is it? Imperial brutalist uh, architecture is is very much on point. Um, I I like I like that they they uh, the ship design is is really strong too, and um and frankly even even locations like Pabu are they they fit in very well with the way. Um, the Star Wars galaxy far, far away is has expanded. So yeah, I I think just which, yeah, which is impressive because it's it's so different. Like a location like Pabu and like Wrecker sitting there with a fishing pole, but you know, like it's like kind of like space Santorini. Well, not quite, but like <laughs> not quite that <laughs> polished. But he's you know, and then like yeah, back and forth. But I'm sorry, John. I think you were about to. I, I, think i interrupted you sorry no that's all right i mean the only thought i i was going to go back to was when you were talking about the uh with crosshair putting in this you know making the distress call or whatever that that room actually reminded me a lot about um in star wars they were uh, on the death star like you were mentioning but went the detention center when you know they show up you know with in the stormtrooper outfits and stuff, it was like that kind of reminded me a little bit, especially with the circuit you know, in the middle there, and then that kind of thing. Because as you were talking about it being in Death Star, kind of feel. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that for some reason. That little circular command post thing, yeah. Although Hans is always the best, <laughs> that, like it's so no one but Harrison Ford could pull that off. <laughs> well, I was expecting Crosshair to shoot that too. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like we're fine. How, how are conversation you? anyway? Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I was wondering though if you guys. I mean, this is more of a. I don't know. Might as well just bring this up now because we want to get to. I know Doctor Hemlock, and, and there's a few things we're gonna go here. But before I forget, maybe just throw this out there because he's you know Crosshair's of course sort of in the background i don't know if i'd say he's at the center of this this episode specifically um in some ways but like i'm just curious like what what do you think at this point his motivation really is you know because i i'm not sure that i really have a a, a real firm sense of that yet because i i have to keep reminding myself like he hasn't he hasn't been with them you know since the first like the beginning of the first season in terms of a regular you know sort of of being in their presence so there's 
I, I, that's something that struck me this time is just, you know, how much time has passed in the story itself and the character development, like all the mm-hmm. things he hasn't been there for. I just, I, I don't know. I'm kind of having a hard time imagining, you know, Crosshair converts and he joined, you know, jumps back in and joins the team again. I, I kind of feel like it's not quite going to that. Um, yeah, well, I, I don't know. More, I was thinking more on the lines of, I'm trying to think how to say this best. You know, it's like he still sees them as his brothers. And I think he, I mean, I was part of the team to an extent, you know, whereas he was all in earlier. But at the end of season one, right, they don't they carry him around when he's like knocked out and stuff like that Mm -hmm. because they don't want it, you know, so they don't leave him to die. But then they also give him his free will of, okay, you make this decision. And I think he's at a point of, Okay, you know, <laughs> you know, maybe it's kind of well, they saved my life and I owe it to them, you know, versus kind of like a not necessarily I want to be on the team, but you know, I it's kind of like a life debt kind of thing maybe, I don't know. It's like, you know, I'm not going to go hunt them, but I'm also not going to, you know, but I'm still going to support at least initially support the empire and then of course as the season's gone on, you can see how he questions that more and more as he talks to other clones and then sees how they're being treated and that kind of, st- and then leading to last week or two weeks ago, I guess when he shot that, uh, uh officer. I mean, I, I think he, he really does have a change of mind, um, that, you know, you see him looking in on the other cells as he's being taken to the interrogation chamber and, um, and they're all clones and he's recognizing some of them. And um, I, I think he really has come around to to realize, oh, you know, Hunter was right. The the other the Bad Batch, they were the rest of the batch. They were right about the Empire not caring about us. And and if he had any doubt, it can't, you know, Hemlock saying you know, why should you care about her? She is Imperial property. Like all the clones, she is Imperial property. And, and, um, yeah, I, I, I think he may or may not want to rejoin them. Kind kind of like Hunter and, and Wrecker and Tech are reluctant to join with Echo and, and, Rex in in you know the rebellion cause. Crosshair may or may not want to rejoin the team, but but I think he has become convinced he was wrong and they were right. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like he would. I don't know. It strikes me, and I I, I hadn't really thought this through till now. But like, he strikes me as more of like if he does survive somehow, gets out of all of it. Like, I think he would fit nicely in the, I don't know, like, kind of gun for hire or bounty hunter or something. I don't know about bounty hunter, but, you know, like, just kind of, because he's, you know, <laughs> he has just brutally executed some people. Like, I mean, he's, I mean, he's not, he's definitely he's a practical different, man. Yeah, he's in a different category, right, you know, than than the other guys. Like, he definitely is, and that's, I feel like it would be a sort of a destiny fallacy, like, to change that about him. You know, like, we cut to next season like the like season three ends with with uh you know i don't know like season three ends with crosshair like you know opening up a school 
you know, and like, <laughs> he's like, it's a dog. And I'm like, no, no, that's not quite it. Like, this is a lot of shooting in his future, I think, one way or the other. You know, I mean, I, honestly, I think the best way for season three to end would be for them to paint a big red stripe on the side of their ship and uh, fly off into hyperspace with the A-team theme starting to play, <laughs> yeah. you know. Just, but, just commit, um, fully commit to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, we're the A-team in space. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I can't remember who, somebody and our you know, friends of the show remind remind us later that someone will forgive me, but I forget who said it. I don't know if it was you, Robert. I, th- I think it was somebody else, but maybe it was you um, a while back, because I think this was maybe some episodes before Mandalorian when we were still talking about Bad Batch, but someone had, had done a comparison mm-hmm. between the, the shots of, of, you know, Tantus, like sort of, was it Tantus, I think, at the end of season one versus this season and the difference of like daylight versus like nighttime and there was like there were there were certain trees in the shot from the first season where it was a little more of a beautiful setting and now there was like fewer trees and they were just kind of you know walking through really interesting you know it might have been Catherine because she's she's artistic she maybe she noticed that but about could be it wasn't me and Um, so we've just was somebody else but I mean, this this episode, like it's 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 almost more like, you know, the the real dark and stormy kind of, you know, stuff we were used to with with um, Camino and this one, which I, I won't that that foreboding kind of like, well, and look what happened to Camino. <laughs> so I, I really have that sense of like this. It's the same people who did that. It's it's, you know, that that look is definitely there. You know, you, you think Tantus is doomed? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's a uh, a good bet. So, <laughs> but um, but I did. I wanted to ask you guys about at the heart of that whole place. Of course, is is Doctor Hemlock. And as much as I was saying, I love the aesthetic. You know, the Star Wars aesthetic. There were I did have some funny moments where I was like, I get a little, uh, you know, I get tired sometimes of of really bright artificial light, like in my classroom. And so sometimes when the students are out and I have a free period or whatever, I'll shut the lights off and just I have these big windows. So usually I'm letting, you know, daylight in. But I was laughing because like all oh, this couple of scenes, especially his chat with Tarkin and Hemlock sitting there. And it's just like, I'm sitting there like, can we get a light bulb in here? Like why? It was just <laughs> dark and just his face is just lit up from his data pad. And there's like nothing else distinguishable in the room. And I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, turn the lights on. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's just a little bit of. Someone needs a seasonal affective disorder lamp at Mount Tantus. Maybe that'll calm him down a little bit. But uh, but yeah, what do you guys think of Doctor Hemlock? Here? I just thought I'd get your your take. I mean, he's come up on the show before, but we you know, we even had a chance to you know talk about him and kind of how you think he he lines up here as as a Star Wars villain. <laughs> Maybe John, I'm gonna jump over to you first. <laughs> well, <clears throat> sorry. When I look at Doctor Hemlock, I mean. <laughs> It's, uh, he's, well, and as the, as tech brings up too, it's like not much is known about him, you know, other than, you know, unauthorized testing and, you know, questionable, te- you know, tet or the way he does things. And, um, I mean, I think he's, uh, so it's like, and I, as I'm sitting here and haven't watched definitely the last two episodes yet, I, you know, he looks like a, um, you know, 
a pretty good villain like a lot of other ones, but it's like, is he doing this because he's, you know, wants to do certain things with the clones, or is he doing it to eradicate the clones? You know, it's like, I don't know what his, his end game or his, you know, the the actual um, motive is behind everything he's doing. And it's kind of at this point because then you have, you know, is it as bad as it, <laughs> is it worse? You know, it's like, I'm not exactly sure, but, you know, the fact though he's, he just sees them as property. Uh, I mean, every, all clones is Imperial property. And then what can you do with property? Whatever you want with it, I guess. And, you know, with his testing and stuff. So I think, um, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know. I have a pretty negative view of him as a, <laughs> as a villain. I mean, like sometimes you could see a character and say, okay, like Dr. Pershing, right? Mm, <laughs> he's, mm-hmm. he's a guy who maybe did bad things, but had maybe good intentions, at least at, in his mind, but I'm at thinking... At some point anyway, yeah. Right, To at least to an, a certain level. But then this is the the whole um, whole other, I think, you know, not good intentions and, <laughs> you know, for whatever tests he's wanted to do, wants to do. I mean, I... This, this is more of a meta take um but it's what is impressing me about like this whole era of star wars media that we have is how committed it is to sort of justifying the last skywalker um you know so so everything is kind of tied into this cloning program and and establishing that this cloning program was the emperor's real plan all along mm-hmm. and um and and you know so the cynical part of me wants to say oh this is just just a way to you know try to keep the franchise going after that you know flub mm-hmm. of a movie and and the artistic part of me is like look at the craft that they are using to reframe a flub of a movie as something that actually can have dramatic weight and um and and i and and you know hemlock is is very clearly you know, I, I I think he has zero concern for the clones, but I think he wants to do research on the clones because it's part of the Emperor's big cloning program that is um, that is his real secret plan all along. Right. Well, and, and Hemlock, <clears throat> this was I, I just <clears throat> excuse me. I just noticed here that uh, I saw the name before of who voiced him, but for some reason I didn't make the connection. So, <clears throat> But uh, Jimmy Simpson, who does his voice, um, was what's, what's funny is <laughs> I, I definitely don't recommend for, for, you know, many folks. Of course, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. There is highly morally, morally problematic material in that comedy, but... Uh, I did enjoy it back in the day, and there's <laughs> he plays a pretty bizarre <laughs> character on that show. But um, I don't know if you guys ever watched Psych, you know, 15 oh, yeah. years ago. He was, do you remember uh, uh, Mary, like, you know, like M-A-R-Y, Mary, and they make fun of it. You know, Mary Lightly, the kind of weird guy that, that he thinks for a while might be like the in killer or whatever, or the, you know, the end killer. 
but he just turns out to be this sort of mousy, squirrely kind of weird guy. Um, it's him, which was just kind of funny. I, I I hadn't seen him in a long time, you know. But so that's Jim Jimmy Simpson's been a lot of stuff. I guess more recently he's been on um oh I just lost it here too. Um, well, some Star Trek stuff apparently, some video game work, and then um, Westworld. And uh, oh, yeah, House of Cards, he was on there too. So, you know, that's always fun. I, you know, I, some of us, I think, have talked about that before too. That when you see these, do you guys go to the cast list usually? Do you ever come across some voices when you're listening that make you scratch your head a little? Like, I know that guy. <laughs> Sometimes I, you know? I definitely went to the cast list for uh, Dr. Emery Carr. Um, and uh it was not the voice that i thought it was but um and and for john's sake i won't say what uh what prompted me to go looking to go for looking, that oh yeah just a voice check. actor but um because because john has not seen the last That's two right. episodes which is <laughs> it, it's exciting that that we still have somebody who's innocent <laughs> in this world um <laughs> well, by the, what's what's funny though uh rob when you mentioned that i, I laugh though because keisha castle hughes i i still can't like her voice is what's weird to me is i don't associate her with her own voice because the thing i mostly mm. like think she was most famous for um you know, for, for me was she played uh, Mary in the nativity story. That's like, it was like 2005 or six. I think that came, or no six or seven, somewhere in there that came out. So she was very young at the time, but she was doing this sort of quasi, you know, um, Israelite accent, you know, in, in, in English. And, and so it's okay. bizarre. Like you just hear her in her. Cause she's from New Zealand, I think. Correct. Pretty sure she, she, is. she was Australia? born in Australia, but she is a Kiwi. Yeah. Okay. I know sometimes that <laughs> I want to, I want to get that right, especially for our Catholics yeah. of Oz friends. Um, so, <laughs> um, but at least um, according to this bio. Yeah. Okay. She was born in Donnybrook, Western Australia, but her nationality okay. is New Zealander, which, Hey, look, come to think of it. Here's a funny connection. Cause Oscar Isaac plays Joseph in that movie. And he's of course, Poe Dameron. So the star Wars always intersects with, <laughs> with, with everything. It's at some point. In fact, I was just playing a game a few weeks ago with some of my students. We had some, you know, uh, we finished early on this unit. We had like a half a class period to spare. And uh, we were doing the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon game. Oh, you yeah. know, where you connect movie actors and stuff. But we were specifically trying to connect actors to Star Wars somehow in like six or less connections. And it was not that difficult to do. <laughs> and getting easier. I mean, yeah. oh, every, every time you have a, a, you know, another guest who who or someone oh, yeah. who's you well, know part of a an episode well and some of them are such great hub characters like carl weathers you know like that's yeah like every yeah. action i mean it's so easy to get him into action movie connections somehow or you know <laughs> so yeah although i still think his his best role was again not recommended for everybody but uh his role in arrested development was fantastic <laughs> my wife always thinks of him as a as a chubbs from uh happy gilmore <laughs> <laughs> which was I, saw, I haven't seen that in years but yeah i was like oh yeah absolutely oh man so let me ask you guys here um uh, we i asked about crosshair's motivation which that was something i want to make sure we we got to a little bit but um oh yeah back to this episode but <laughs> it's a hub episode too here but you know and that's the thing too is because of course the way that they you know they didn't release or did they did, did they release episode 
without sharing anything, but I can't remember now. Did they release episode 15 and 16 on the same day? Did they do that again or, or were I believe they? they did, yes. Because they've done that with some of these. Remember, I think the season premiere or the first episode or two or whatever of season one was like super long or, you know, they do these things sometimes if there's a bigger narrative. And that's, I, I'm kind of getting at what you had brought up early on, uh, Robert, that we could maybe kind of talk about all of us together here, this, the the overall feel of sort of season two here, because, you know, we, we don't really, I hate to say, but I don't think a whole lot really happens in this episode <laughs> per se. You know, we have <clears throat> a little continuing of these different storylines, but, you know, Crosshair ends up right where he started, of course, at the beginning of the episode, just with an, an upped dosage on his his torture bot. Um, and we don't really know what to expect, you know, to, to, uh, you know, see where he's going to be next time. So, you know, we have the batch now knows about it. Um, mm-hmm. like, are they, what are they going to do? If anything, like, how are they going to find him? Cause we don't know where this facility even is. There's all these, these question marks. Um, but you had mentioned something earlier about, you know, this, this announcement, I, I guess, uh, of, of season three kind of wrapping this up or at least hinted at that, if not directly, you know, stated. And I think you had said something to the effect, maybe you could flesh this out a little more about how you felt, at least watching it. The episodes kind of having that 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 weight to them. In a good way, but maybe the season as a whole, maybe leaving you wanting a little bit, if if I'm saying that right, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the season has been accused of having a lot of filler episodes, and um, and I myself have basically enjoyed most, if not all, of the episodes for their own sake, but but they all felt kind of disconnected to what I felt was like the larger storyline, and 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 I guess what I mean disconnected is is they it felt like they weren't moving the story very far so like you said this episode crosshair ends up exactly where he was the rest of the batch gets one piece of information that's going to lead them to a decision but they don't actually make the decision in this episode and it's um you know it's a lot of a lot of running around in action and not a whole lot plot wise actually happening and the whole season has kind of felt like that at the same time it feels like they are dropping a lot of information in each episode a lot of character information a lot of a lot of um sort of world information what's going on with the clones what how is the empire developing and and so on and and it just feels like all of season two as, as a whole is just setting up for season three. Like they know where they want to go with season three. Um, but they've got to, they've got to do a lot of setup to get there. And, and so they kind of sacrificed season two to the setup. And, and that's, that's a little disappointing to me, but at the same time, I'm hoping maybe I'm a little overly optimistic, but I'm hopeful that, that season three will pay off. I mean, um, without spoiling things for John, sorry, John, um, you know, the, the last two episodes really have a lot of dramatic, you know, plot impact and it changes the situation for these characters in, in a really powerful way. And, 
Um, so it's, it's clear that season three is gonna have a strong start to it because it's gonna, you know, the end of season two demands that it pick up from where they're leaving off. That said, <laughs> I don't know. Star Wars is not infallible. Well, yeah, um, that's true. That's true. So I am. I like to pretend I, it I, is sometimes. <laughs> I I mean, I was telling you earlier. Yeah, you know, I I have this uh, kind of love hate relationship with Star Wars because I love it so much, and then it keeps breaking my heart. You know, <laughs> um, and and so. You know, I'm optimistic about Ahsoka, but it might not play out. And I'm optimistic about Bad Batch Season 3, mm-hmm. but it not might not play out. And frankly, I'm optimistic about the, the you know, the three movies that they've mm-hmm. announced recently. Yeah. But it might not play out. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. John, what do you think? I, I, I don't know how to rephrase it necessarily but just you know i mean i guess you know your overall take of the season so far especially because you haven't seen the the conclusion yet i'm just curious yeah well i mean it's like we're talking i guess beforehand it was i do like to an extent that they seem to have a lot of individual episodes like you know or like robert was saying focus like this one on tech this one on crosshair this one about the clones in general with senator chuji you know it was like they had like and they do provide a lot of information or build those characters but then you wonder where they're going to go with that um and (laughs) i like that to an extent but then i really like this episode because it seemed like it was started really to bring a little bit more together of okay here's the raid on the clone transport here's back with crosshair not just crosshair this whole episode but actually you know right. crosshair for part of it let's do, do something with his character now let's go to the bad batch and do something with them now let's go back to crosshair let's go to you know whoever you know the yeah the other clones or what you know and it was like to me it reminds you that they're all part of one story right <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so it's yeah. like that's where i think i get a little frustrated when you know it's like it's nice like i said it's good to develop that but then you know especially with how short some of these episodes are you know they're only you know I, you know, with cre- before credits, sometimes they're like, what, 20, 25 minutes. So it's like you get this piece and you're like, oh, well, I really would have liked to see more about the Bad Batch. And then the next one's the whole time about the Bad Batch. But then it's like, I wonder what happened to Crosshair, you know? And it's like, then you got to just keep waiting, waiting. Oh, there he is again, you know? And it's like, that's where I think it gets a little, I mean, a little disjointed with it. It's like, it would be better to see, oh, what's Crosshair doing from this point to that point? Uh, I mean, even if it was just like two or three minutes (laughs) just to see his career instead of, oh, let's just get him now. And let's, you know, these points in time. But but overall, I've enjoyed the season. It's just, you know, and but it's funny, too. It's like it started out kind of harsh with that ramper guy shooting people and killing him at the end of episode or whatever. Then it kind of cooled off for a while. And then it seems like it's getting harsh again, you know, and. And I know it's rated PG, so it's not like U7 or something like that for TV. Right. So you exp- you don't mind that, but it's just it's interesting to see how that changes too. It's like it seems, you know, that ebbs and flows. Like sometimes they'll be like, oh, let's kill that guy off, and then other times, oh, okay, <laughs> let's. Or every time go a while. an Imperial gets cornered, now they just bite real hard, and their whole head goes lightning, and they drop. I'm like, oh boy, that's <laughs> right. 
Yikes. Why, uh, I, is there anything else in particular, you know, you guys wanted to make sure we thought about a little bit or wanted to share with any of the listeners about this episode or one thing I highlighted was when they're at, um, Pabu and they're, you know, they're, uh, and, uh, Echo shows up, um, the one thing that was interesting is, like Hunter says, you've seen the power you're up against. You can't defeat them, right? And it's like, and then Echo says something like, it's not about that. It's about fighting for our brothers. And it makes me think, though, like Hunter, a lot there sounds like Andor in the beginning. You mm. know, like, you know, mm. we just can't mm-hmm. beat these guys. What's the purpose of doing all this stuff? It's just better to kind of survive on your own kind of thing. You know, or whatever, and you know, he. It's not until he meets that one character, and I can't remember his name, with the manifesto and everything. It's yeah, like, I know who you mean. Yep. <laughs> and then, and then, eventually, his mother or grand, you know, the, you know, and stuff. How her, was it? His grandmother or mother that raised him, and then adoptive mother, yeah. adoptive mother, right? And then, um, you know, and then he understands everything a lot more, and you can see Hunter maybe understanding it more himself, but he's, I think, still at that, you know. <laughs> out for himself kind of let's keep us you know our group safe and do what we can you know and then help others as we can like an a-team guy over time but not the bigger picture of what like uh echo seeing about you know <laughs> it's not just about us and our small group it's about all our brothers out there that are suffering and we need to go and help all of them and as much as we can and and that's why he's doing it with senator tucci and building his own team of people in the you know spies and whatever <laughs> underground and all that stuff which is kind of i thought was interesting and another scene i just loved was the the flying directions you know learning how to fly the marauder <laughs> with tech <laughs> that was a lot of fun <laughs> and just seeing omega that whole that whole scene was just hilarious the tech, the tech turn i just yeah i yeah. love it. it's like that is not its proper name although i do like the sound of it like he's that's that's the racer in him kicking it right you know for that earlier episode you know which was was one of my favorites by the way (laughs) the text race and then the other thing too was and you could barely hear it but he's like and you know when she talks about the tech turn and he's like and then maybe you should do this before i come back to my senses or something like that (laughs) it's you know as and then right she's making this the turn and stuff but so but that I think that's what I like about these this uh, the Pabu episodes is you're seeing a fun side and the more family kind of side of things where you know do we need to stay here or move on and you know again like soldiers hmm. but um but that was kind of a nice thing to see with I forget the mayor the mayor or whatever you know the 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 chieftain whatever his position is his with his comment about you know is is that all you are you know and right. that's that recur <laughs> that refrain you know and that's that really neat, like they were literally made, you know, in a laboratory to just be that. And it's like, and what I love about that, and it was like, we could go down the big rabbit hole forever on that. And we've, we've, we've talked about this a lot on the show before and it'll keep coming up, I'm sure. But that, that's a really interesting recurring theme, of course, from a Catholic perspective of, you know, here you have, there is no more controlled environment, right? In all of Star Wars and the Camino lab. <laughs> And yet the thing they're doing is not actually something that they're really in control of because there's mm-hmm. something Ultimately, that's, that's yeah. making these guys be who they are and, and, and their, their experiences are shaping them and they have souls, whatever you want to call it in Star Wars. It's a really interesting, you know, 
Which is, yeah, I mean, the the moment that, and I've already mentioned it, but the moment that struck me most was the, you know, you are property. She is property. These, you know, all clones are property. And, and that's like the, the, the fundamental sin, if you will, of, of the whole endeavor is to try to treat a person as property Mm -hmm. to, to, um, even, even in a sense, the emperor trying to treat his own body as property rather than as a gift. Um, I'm going to can clone it completely control it. I'm going to have unlimited power (laughs) over, you know, who I am and, and what I can do. And, um, Hmm. Whereas, you know, the dignity of the human person comes from the fact that our very being is a gift from God. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and all that that's the, you know, again, don't want to go too far, but just all the time, you know, cause that's something I, I'm continuing to kind of reflect on more and more in my own spiritual journey of like, I'm not, he didn't like, sometimes I've, I've had a very deist notion of my own life. You know, like God did something back when I was conceived and then it was me. And then he's like kind of back here. It's like, no, he's like, he is, the, you know, he is constantly making me to exist at every moment. Like you know, he makes it possible for mm-hmm. anything to, you know, it's just that, that uh, perfect transcendence and imminence at the same time. It's just, just so profound, <laughs> you know? The, the depth of Augustine's insight, you have made us for yourself mm-hmm. and our hearts are restless till we rest in you. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> well, you guys, and, and anything else we missed or something you want to you know, mention for the folks for next week? Thinks you want to spoil for John? I'm just... <laughs> John, you're going <laughs> to love the space clowns. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, Jar Jar's cameo in episode 16 was very surprising. No. Uh, <laughs> no, alas, no. But uh, I love how they do a musical number every five minutes. Yeah, no. um, <laughs> life day. Oh, goodness. Uh, oh, my. Well, if that's all, that's that's just gonna be it for us i guess this week so so listeners as always we want to know what you thought about uh, this episode of bad batch you know we, we've been talking about it for a while here and also the uh the galactic star cruiser shut down while we're at it too since we spent a good a good news segment on that earlier so any of your feedback on this show please send it our way over at star uh, star wars at sqpn.com you can also visit the StarQuest discord community at sqpn.com slash discord or find StarQuest on facebook at facebook.com slash starquest media and twitter we're there at uh, sqpn so previous episodes of secrets of star wars if you want to check those out which is always fun uh, can be found over at sqpn.com slash star wars and we also want to take a moment as always to thank our secrets of star wars patrons including matthew t kyle p craig h stephanie w and thomas w their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Wars and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. 
Please tell all your friends, everyone you know, people on the street, whatever, to uh, just go to Secrets of Star Wars anywhere you can find it. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, your favorite podcast app. It's there. Uh, my favorite is um, Pocket Casts. It's on there, too. So anywhere you can um, you know, get those notifications to know when new episodes drop uh, and anywhere you can leave us a review, especially Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, anywhere that you can leave ratings and reviews helps the show quite a bit so please do that and check out our merch store it helps the uh, the show as well and, and gets you some really cool star wars merchandise you can't get anywhere else with the secrets of star wars logo on there and all sorts of fun fun little <laughs> things you can uh, pick up over there at the merch store this is that's sqpn.com slash merch so we'll be back next week to unpack the dramatic conclusion to bad batch season two with a deep dive into episodes 15, The Summit, and 16, Plan 99. So please mark your calendars because you will not want to miss that one. So until next time, John Coral, thank you so much for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. Thank you. Had a great time. Absolutely. And, and Robert King, thank you as well. It's always a pleasure. And once again, I'm Mike Creevy. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy, The Secrets of Middle-Earth. Find it wherever you can find podcasts or at sqpn.com slash Middle-Earth.